Well, here we are. Joseph is in prison. If you remember what happened, Joseph, he is a, a chosen young man. God has given him visions and dreams. And in these dreams, he has predicted the future. The future that God has predicted is that his brothers and his mother and father are going to bow down before him. Well, they didn't like that idea. So his brothers sell him into slavery, throw him in a pit, leave him for dead. They end up selling him to Ishmaelites who take him into Egypt where he is sold to Potiphar, who was the captain of the Pharaoh's guard. So then in Pharaoh's house, he, the Lord is with him, the Bible says, and he prospers. And the Bible says that he caused Potiphar to prosper for Joseph's sake. Well, in the middle of that, the Bible says Joseph was a goodly man, and Potiphar's wife said, come lie with me. And she kept saying it over and over and over again. And Joseph refused. Well, one day she grabbed his coat, tried to make him. He ran away, left his coat in her hands. Just as his coat of many colors was used to say that he was dead, his coat that was left in Potiphar's house was used to accuse him of trying to force Potiphar's wife. Of course, Potiphar didn't believe it. As captain of the king's guard, he was the executioner. If he really believed that Joseph had tried to attack his wife, he would have killed Joseph. But he didn't believe it. But for honor's sake, he put Joseph in prison. So there's Joseph in prison. And in prison, the Bible says that the Lord was with him. You know, many of us, as we go through struggles and we see what's going on in the world, we, we stand back like the psalmist and we say, but where is God? Where is God in this? Uh, I had a man that was going through some trouble and he'd say to me over and over again, where's God in this? Where's God in this? You know where God is? He's with you. Now, we just, Laura and I heard a song by John Denver this week. And uh, the, there was a commercial on him. My kids saw what John Denver looked like for the first time. And Jacob said, what a geek. <laughs> but he's singing this song. And I don't know if all of you know this, but John Denver was a, was a, um, a pantheist. He worshipped, he had this religion called, it was EST. I can't remember what it stands for, but... He believed that God was in everything and that God was in him and that he was in everything. And so he's singing this song about how he is in the trees. And all this is just weird, man. So when we say that God is with us, we're not saying it the way the pantheist does. We're saying that a very personal God, the God of the universe, who's chosen to make himself known to us, if you're born again, he's with you. He is with you. And all through, four times in these two chapters, the Bible says about Joseph, the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. And I can tell you, no matter what you're going through right now, if you are born again, the Lord is with you. But if you've not placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, do you know what the Lord is doing right now? He's standing there. He's inviting you to have that personal relationship with Him. He wants to give you eternal life so that He can be with you and that you can be with Him forever in eternity. That He's asking you for that right now. But if you're born again, it doesn't matter what you're going through. He is with you. Listen to what John Phillips wrote. Satan would whisper, Now what about your God? People who knew Joseph, who had heard his testimony, who secretly believed in his innocence must also have wondered about his God. What kind of a God would so reward integrity and righteousness and moral purity with slander and prison? 
like those of Job and Jeremiah, the sufferings of Joseph were for no apparent cause. Yet Joseph could say to himself, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him. Joseph could say, I still have my dreams. I still have my dreams. How many of you believe that God had a plan for Joseph? We know that now. What would you have thought if you saw Joseph in the prison? Well, I know what Baptists would say. Well, must be guilty. Must be true. He must be everything they're saying he is. No, maybe God had a plan. So, I only have two points this morning. The first one is Joseph, the model of hope. Joseph, the model of hope. In the prison, in the pit, in Potiphar's house as a slave, and now as a slave of prisoners in the prison, Joseph was a picture of hope. So now let's look at the text. Verse, chapter 40 and verse 1. And it came to pass after these things, after what things? He's been cast into prison. That the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. You know, like the baker. I wonder if he just gave him muffin tops or something. You know, what did he do? I don't know how they offended him. And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. Now, don't miss that. The place where Joseph was bound. He was bound. Do you want to see how he was bound? Keep your place here. Look at Psalm 105. Sometimes when you read the language, it says that he was in the house, and you think that maybe this was just some kind of house arrest. Look at Psalm 105. Verse 17, he sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron until the time that his word came. Now, I want you to see that. How was he bound? He was bound with iron fetters. Can you imagine what that felt like? And what the Bible says, they hurt his feet with them. Uh, when I was in Switzerland and I went to the Traxelwald Castle and I saw where Jacob Habegger and many other Baptists had been tortured by the Protestants there. And I laid on the bed where he was held and I put my feet in the stocks. Just having my feet in the stocks for a few seconds, it was horribly miserable. And he laid in those stocks for seven years. And here is Joseph bound in the prison. And what we understand, if you read the text closely, was he was bound every night while he was in prison. And you need to understand that Joseph was 17 when he was sold into slavery. Chapter 41, verse, I think it's 26, it tells us that when he finally stands before Pharaoh, he's 30 years old. So 13 years of slavery and imprisonment. But where's God? He was with him. He was with him. Keep reading in Psalm 105. And I want you to see something very interesting. Whose feet they hurt, verse 18, 
with fetters. He was laid in iron until the time that his word came. Look at this. The word of the Lord tried him. Why was Joseph in prison? Because Potiphar's wife lied about him. No. Because that's where God wanted him. Now, I don't know about you, but just to hear that, just to see that for the first time, you go, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right. What does Psalm 105 say? The word of the Lord tried him. God had a plan. God had put Joseph in that place for a purpose. When we get to the end of Genesis, we see what that purpose was. He was able to save many people alive. How many of you would like to see America turned around? What if it took you being in chains for 13 years? Isn't it interesting how when you understand what something costs, then you see whether you want it or not. So now let's go back to our text. Chapter 40. Verse 3 at the end of the verse where Joseph was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them and he served them. And they continued a season in ward. So those guys were in prison for about three months. And they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man his dream in one night, each man according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me them, I pray you. That is such a good thing for us to understand. Do not interpretations belong to God. Um, I told you you're going to hear this a lot. I heard a preacher say this a couple of weeks ago, and I loved it. He said, A lot of times people accuse us of putting our own interpretation on the Bible when all we're doing is reading it. You quote Scripture to somebody, and they'll say, That's your interpretation. He said, I didn't interpret anything. I just told you what the Bible says. Surely it means something. It probably just means what it says. Amen? And what God says about these dreams, what Joseph is saying, is that these interpretations belong to God. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, I can interpret your dreams. You know what? I've been pretty good at this all my life. Yeah, look at where it got you. No. He said, do not interpretations belong to God. And that's true. And here's the deal. If you want to interpret what God has for you from the Word of God, understand interpretation belongs to God, and whatever He says in one place, He will explain it somewhere else. He will help you to understand His Word. All right, so now let's continue reading. Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me them, I pray you. Verse 9. And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph, and he said to him, In my dream, behold, a vine was before me. And in the vine there were three branches... And it was as though it budded, and her blossoms shot forth, and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. Now, I want you to understand something. <clears throat> this, is a, this is a vital thing for you to get. A lot of times people get really um, 
confused by wine in the Bible. Um, do you know what the favorite wine in New York is? Take me to Miami. <laughs> That's the favorite wine in New York. The, Bi- the Bible talks. Is that a, was that a bad joke? Was it? I like bad jokes. You know that, right? 13 years of bad jokes. You know I like bad jokes. Wine in the Bible. Wine in the Bible. Sometimes it's fermented. Sometimes it's not. Now, here's what's happening. Here's what the chief butler does for the king, for the pharaoh. He takes a cluster of grapes and squeezes them into his cup. What would we call that? Grape juice. The Bible calls that wine. So when you see wine in the Bible, when Jesus talks at the Lord's Supper, when he talks about the fruit of the vine, he's not talking about fermented wine. If you have unleavened bread at the Lord's Supper, leaven is a sign of sin and corruption, then how could you have fermented wine at the Lord's table? It wouldn't be. It's the fruit of the vine. What's the fruit of the vine? Grapes. Grapes. And those grapes are squeezed into the cup. It's grape juice. Now, that's not what my message is about, but I wanted to point that out to you over and over and over again in the Bible when it's talking about wine. It says to stay away from strong drink. Abstain from strong drink is what it says. The Bible says that no king is supposed to take a strong drink. Then the Bible says that you and I, you and I are priests and kings. So maybe we should stay away from strong drink. Drink all the grape juice you want. It's good for you. Antioxidants. Wine is not good for you. All right, so now, let's go on. Isn't it great what the Bible lets you clear up? So then, verse 12, And Joseph said unto him, This is the interpretation of it, The three branches are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head and restore thee unto thy place. And thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand after the former manner when thou wast his butler. But think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also have I done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. When the chief baker... Now, I want you to notice something else right there. The land of the Hebrews, do you see that? They hadn't taken the land yet. When did they take the land? With Joshua. They hadn't taken the land yet. But it was the land of the Hebrews. Why? Because God had promised it to them. Amen? How many of you think maybe Joseph believed God? So Joseph believed God about the land of the Hebrews just as he believed God about his dreams and he believed that God had a plan. The hope of Joseph. Now, it says, um, verse 16, And when the chief baker saw saw that the interpretation was good, he said unto Joseph, I also was in my dream. And behold, I had three white baskets on my head. Now, that's hard to accomplish, I think. And in the uppermost basket... Now, can't you just picture this? How many of you have ever seen pictures of third world countries and things where they carry stuff on their heads? Right? And in the uppermost basket, there was all manner of baked meats for Pharaoh. So, baked goods. And the birds did eat them out of the basket upon my head. And Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation thereof. The three baskets are three days. 
Can you imagine what, the, what this baker is thinking? Cool. This is awesome. Preach on, Joseph. Right? Because he thinks something good's happening. So, here you have, and Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation thereof. The three baskets are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thy head from off thee. That's a tough injury to come back from. Look at what it says. And shall hang thee on a tree, and the birds shall eat thy flesh from off thee. And I can picture the baker. I'm never going back to that church again. Isn't it interesting how when the prophet tells us good news, he's a great man. When the prophet pronounces judgment, he's not. Interesting. Let's read on. And it came to pass the third day. Now, you Bible students, when you see the third day, what is that always talking about in your Bible? What is it? But not for everybody. Look at what it says. And it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast. Now let me stop here. Uh, what the Pharaoh would do is he would release people on his birthday. You want to know something that's really cool? How many of you have heard of the Rosetta Stone? Remember what the Rosetta Stone was? It was found during the time of Napoleon. They could never interpret the hieroglyphics. They couldn't, they couldn't translate the hieroglyphics. They couldn't figure out what they were talking about. Well, they found this stone, and on the stone was Greek, Koine Greek, cuneiform, and hieroglyphics. And because they could understand the Greek, they were able to understand the, what, the, what the other languages said, and that was the key to translating those languages. One of the things that the Rosetta Stone records is that Pharaoh would release prisoners on his birthday. And yet that wasn't found in history anyplace else except the Word of God. Isn't it awesome how, how, how true your Bible is? Praise God. All right, so now let's go on. Um, on his birthday, he made a feast, middle of verse 20, unto all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. And he restored the chief butler unto his butlership again, and he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forget him. Man, that is so rough. So let's get some lessons from this. One of the key lessons that Joseph learned here. Can you imagine year after year after year? The, the, his prophecy has come true. His interpretations of the dream. His interpretations have been found true. And so the gate door opens and the, the butler goes out and the baker is hung just as his interpretation was. And he said, remember me. To tell the Pharaoh that I'm here unjustly. He waited a day, and then a week, and then a month, and then a year, then another year, and then another year. Do you know the lesson that Joseph needed to learn? Trust in God, not man. I wonder how many of us today are trusting in man. 
trusting in man, trusting something other than what the word of God says. Psalm 20, verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. We trust in everything but God. You know, here we are, and we're in, we are in a situation in our country where our economic future, it's teetering. I know. Let's elect a Republican. I hope we get a good Republican, but a Republican is not going to fix it. Amen? The only thing that can get this thing right is if we will remember what God has said about finances. That's what it's going to take. We can't trust in men. Neither can we trust in our money. Oh, man, the economic downturn is going to come. I guess I better get as much money as I can. i got to secure my future. Listen to what Jesus said. Luke 12, 15. And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. I wonder if you lost all of your possessions, if I lost all of my possessions, could I still live an abundant life? Is my abundance based on my stuff or is my abundance based on my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Joseph had to learn to trust in God, not man. He had a plan to get out of prison. Hey, you know what? I got in good with the man that has the king's ear. Man, if only I had, if only I had a chance to talk to Barack Obama. Dalton Robertson, some of you know Brother Dalton. He says, Jim? <laughs> he said, something strange about your personality. You think that once you say something, people ought to just believe it. <laughs> Isn't that funny? He said, you think that once you've said it, that ends all debate and people ought to just believe it. And I was thinking, what's wrong with that? <laughs> you know what? I would love to have the opportunity to talk to Barack Obama. But how many of you think that I, in a 30-minute conversation, could change him? from a communist to a capitalist. You think I could? No. No, Thomas. <laughs> you can't do it. And here's the thing that we think. If only we had the right people in the right places, this thing would turn around. Well, the Bible says, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, as the preacher said, deceiving and being deceived. But, you know, we, we think that if we put the right people in the right places, it's all going to be fixed. But the Bible tells us there's a one world government coming. There's a one world economy coming. There's a one world religion coming. And we think that we are going to stop that. No, what we're supposed to do is occupy until he comes, preach the gospel, vote as we should, speak the truth. We should try to get the right people in office. Amen. But we trust in God, not in man. That's what Joseph just learned here. But it took him a lot of years to learn that lesson. All human help was now gone. Listen to what Philip said again. Joseph's thoughts, however, did not creep down slimy stairways to grovel and base thoughts of suicide. 
Instead, they borrowed Jacob's ladder and lifted Joseph up to heaven's halls. That's good. I wonder, when everything has been pulled out from under you, if you would enter the throes of despair, if I would enter the throes of despair, or if I would be elevated to heaven's halls, the hope of Joseph, the hope of Joseph. Joseph is a model of hope, but Joseph is also a model of Christ. Joseph, the innocent one, is cast into prison and he suffers just as Jesus Christ was cast into prison and suffered. Uh, Joseph gained the respect of his jailer. Chapter 39, verse 21. Look at what it says. And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. What about Jesus Christ when he was crucified? His captor, the man who crucified him, he said, certainly this was a righteous man. Luke 23, 47. It's amazing how Joseph was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Joseph was numbered among the transgressors. Look at what happens. Here is Joseph when he is in the prison and he's there with two other men, the baker and the butler. When Jesus Christ was on the cross, he was there with two other men, two thieves. Joseph was not in the prison alone. Jesus Christ wasn't crucified alone. The Bible says he was numbered with the transgressors. The malefactors were with him. How about this? This is wild. Only God can do this. Remember, this is thousands of years before Christ came. Joseph was a blessing to one of them, the butler, and he was a curse to the other, the baker. What happened to Jesus Christ on the cross? One mocked him and didn't believe. The other one said, Master, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And he said, This day you'll be with me in paradise. Blessing to one, curse to the other. Um... Look at the prophecy again. I want you to see something. Verse 12, And Joseph said unto him, this is the interpretation of it, chapter 40, verse 12, this is the interpretation of it, three branches are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head and restore thee to thine place. So here's what happens. You have two men, you have two dreams, and two prophecies. And here, what, what Pharaoh, or what, what Joseph does is he takes their dreams, the dreams that God has given them, and these are pictures of what is going to happen on the cross. On the cross, you have one man who's trusting in the sacrifice of the Son of God. You have another man that's trusting in himself. After three days, what did the resurrection of Jesus Christ prove? He proved that blood, trusting in the blood of Jesus, gives life. Trusting in bread, the works of your own hands, brings death. How many people yesterday and today all over the world took a cup and took a piece of bread thinking that that's going to take them to heaven when the only thing that takes a person to heaven is the washing of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. That was taught us all the way back in Genesis chapter 40. Do you remember the way of Cain? Do you remember Cain and Abel? 
the Bible says that Abel brought of the first fruits, the, the, the first of his, of, of, of his flock. And he brings that sacrifice of a lamb and he sacrifices that lamb. And the Bible says God had respect unto his offering. Cain comes and he brings the fruit of his labor. He's tilled the ground and he's made something of himself. And he brings that. And God had not respect unto his sacrifice. You see, Cain wasn't rejected because he killed his brother. Cain was rejected. Cain wasn't rejected because he was an atheist. He believed in God. He brought God a sacrifice. He just brought him the wrong one. You'll find that all the way through the Bible. The blood is the way to salvation. The fruit of your hands, the fruit of your labors brings death. That is the message that God brought all the way back in Genesis chapter 40 through the butler, the baker, the interpretation of Joseph, a picture of Jesus Christ. Then, Joseph had knowledge of the future. He interpreted their dreams. But what did he do? He gave the glory to God. Do not the interpretations belong to God? Jesus, when he made prophecy, said, For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave me a commandment what I should say, and that I should speak. Joseph, a model of Jesus. But, of course, we see Joseph's predictions came true. Three days later, you have the butler is delivered back to the throne. The baker, his head's cut off and he's hung on a tree. And do you know why he was cursed? What does the Bible say? Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, Galatians 2.20, being made a, Galatians 3.13, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every man that hangeth on a tree. This man was cursed and hung on a tree. Jesus Christ bore that curse for us. You say, wait a minute. The other thief hung on a tree too. Yeah, but Christ's sacrifice removed the curse from him through the blood. You can't make this up. God's Word is so true and it's so powerful. And Jesus Christ's prophecy that He would rise again the third day and wash away our sin. His prophecy is also true when He says, He that believeth not on Me is condemned already. Have you believed in Jesus Christ alone? Jesus has made a prophecy about you. We have two models here in our text. Joseph, a model of hope. and Joseph, a model of Jesus Christ. Here, God has given us in an amazing picture the truth that we've got to trust in Jesus Christ alone. He's with us all, with, with us all the time. He loves us and He cares about us. And sometimes it's Jesus that brings us into the fire. Sometimes it's Jesus that brings us into persecution. Sometimes it's Jesus that puts us in these situations so that we can save many people alive. Maureen, I know what you're thinking. This horrible thing. Maureen's nephew died this week. No one would choose that but the opportunity to give the gospel. God is so good to us. God is so good to us. Are you trusting in God or are you trusting in man? I told you to think back. Keep in mind the picture of that statue coming through those millions of people. Last summer, Laura and I were in Boston and we went to Little Italy to get dinner. 
And we were there at the Feast of St. Luciana or Lucia, something like that. And they had, a, they had a statue just like the one that we saw, this, this image of this woman who was supposedly a saint and people running and sticking money to it and bowing down before it and all of these things going on in America. Thousands of people. You couldn't get down the road. You trusting in man? You trusting in God? You trusting in anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ? Those of us who are saved, we're trusting in Jesus Christ for our salvation. But who are you trusting to keep you? You trusting your good works to keep you? Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by His mercy He saved us. Amen? For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. We trust him for salvation. Paul said, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should believe a lie? Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? So we trust him for our salvation. We trust him to keep us in our salvation. But who are we trusting to keep us in this life? Who are we trusting for our future? Who are we trusting for our economic future, for our health? Who are we trusting for all of these things? Don't trust in man. Don't trust in the things of man. Place your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Thank